Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on CageSidePress.com. I'm your host, Daniel Gumby Freeland. Joining me, as always, is your co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. The UFC is back in Vegas this weekend for UFC Vegas 49. A little bit of an underwhelming card, but an exciting main event, nevertheless. Headlined by Islam Makashev versus the short-notice replacement, Bobby Green. We'll, of course, be breaking down that fight as well. There's two other fights on the main card as part of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, where we'll also give you an underdog and a parlay that we think is going to make your wallet fat this weekend. Plus, as always, I'm bringing you guys the interviews you know and love. Joining me first today is Dustin Jacoby, who's getting ready for a fight with Michael Olashejuk at UFC 272 on March 5th. And then later on in the show, I'm joined by Terrence McKinney, who is getting ready to fight this weekend against Farah Zaim in a fight that was already scheduled and canceled once, and he is absolutely excited to finally get a chance to throw down with the Frenchman. So, before we get to any of that great content for you, I do have to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for the avid sports better, providing insights, analysis, and free betting picks. It's like YouTube for sports betting. Head on over to betterthan.vegas, where you can browse, search, and follow handicappers and sports personalities as they give you their thoughts on upcoming sports contests in every sport imaginable. In fact, if you head on over there, you can check out my bonus selection, which you can only see each and every week on the Top Turtle MMA page at betterthan.vegas. Better Than Vegas brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. All right, and joining me today is Dustin Jacoby, who fights Michael Olashejuk at UFC 272. That fight is on March 5th. So, Dustin, I want to start off here. You're undefeated in five bouts, six bouts if we count uh, the Contender Series, or at least in this uh, run in the UFC. But here you are. You're still unranked. You're still getting unranked opponents. Are you starting to get frustrated by all of this? Uh, You know what, man? First off, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, second off to answer your question, I'm not really frustrated. I mean, I feel like that's all coming. The ranking uh, is coming. You know, I'm on to my third contract with UFC uh, since winning the contenders or getting my contender series contract. So I'm very happy with where I'm at. You know, I mean, uh, they're they're taking care of me and and uh, I can only fight who's put in front of me. So as long as I continue, you know, making the most of these opportunities, I think that this after this fight here. Uh, I have a pretty good chance of getting a ranked opponent, I would guess. Yeah, I would guess as well, seeing as I, I've kind of expected it for a while. I mean, like, you know, not that I want to keep harping on you being disappointed by not having one or, you know, the fact that you're saying you're not, but Ian Kudalaba's ranked 15th right now. He's a guy who you beat the hell out of for two rounds. Is is it tough seeing that? Yeah, I mean, you know what? I know it, it actually. I, I feel good about it. You know, I see Kuntalaba's up there. He's ranked, um, and I think I'm right there. I think I go out there and, and take care of business. March fifth, I'll, I'll get a ranked opponent, and I think you know I could jump anywhere from seven to twelve to fight one of those guys, whoever's available in, in the top fifteen, and and uh, go make the most of that. And 
like I said, man, I've, I've got a, I'm on to my third contract UFC, so I'm happy. I'm not quite in the top 10. Of course, I want a ranking, but I feel like that's right around the corner. I love the mentality around that. Now, I, I want to ask, too, because the, the light heavyweight division has kind of been kind of in flux since you've come back because that was right around the time where John Jones takes off and is no longer in the division. They had Jan Blankovic as a champ for just a second, and then Glover Teixeira isn't in the road right now, but, you know, he's not a young guy at all. What do you sort of make of the, the disarray at the top of the division and, and actually the state of, you know, your possible opponents that are the top 15 in the division right now? Yeah, well, I certainly think that it's wide open. You know, you got Glover, who is the champ, and he is older. And uh, while he's very tough and durable, I think there's a, a, a whole bunch of guys in the top ten that have an oppor- that are going to have an opportunity at that title. And with John Jones being gone, it just seems so wide open. It's like when he was the champ, you're like, oh, man, you know, you, you don't really think about fighting him or you don't think that it's possible to beat him because he is the GOAT, man. He's He's physically gifted. And uh, he, he's very good inside that octagon, so it makes it a much uh, taller task fighting a guy like John Jones. But with him being gone, the division's wide open. I think that uh, you know that title is going to be passed around a couple different times here in the next uh, you know however many title fights there is. And I think timing is everything, man. If I can you know creep my way into the top fifteen, top ten, knock off a, a couple guys with, with a good finish and get some momentum behind your name. You know, just like my uh, buddy and, and teammate Anthony Smith got his opportunity at the title shot. He went in there, had a couple good wins, snuck his way right in, and, and I think that can be done on my end as well. We just got to keep working, and, and of course, you got to keep winning. When I was going to ask you about that too, what what about having a guy who's been there and done that in your camp, who, who's risen to the championship kind of in – meteoric fashion and in kind of as that underdog figure what is it like having a guy like that as a you know maybe not a mentor but maybe a training partner for you as you're looking to do the same exact thing oh it's awesome man it gives me hope it gives me inspiration it gives me belief that it can be done and that's what i've said all along you know when i came back into mma and was helping anthony get ready for that fight against john jones which would have been march of 2019 um I, it, like I said, man, it just gives, it gives me, I'm full of inspiration. I'm full of hope that it can be done. And, and seeing a guy like Anthony, you know, we started our careers out uh, around the same time. He was a couple years ahead of me, but we were both Midwestern guys and, and uh, traveling the, the regional circuit and just trying to make our way in the sport. And, you know, here we are. Anthony's done very well for himself the past few years, and I'm just looking to follow in his footsteps. I think that I can do the same thing. I love that mentality. Now, I did want to ask you quickly about the stylistic matchups towards the top of this division, because apart from Glover Teixeira, if you look at, like, the top five of the division, it is all guys who mostly just want to stand and bang with people. You know, Jan Blachowicz, <laughs> Yuri Prohoshka, Alexander Rejcic, you know, Anthony Smith. Absolutely. Is, is that ideal for you? <laughs> Do you want just a big old list of people who want to stand and trade with you? Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, I've had a you know a, a very extensive professional kickboxing career, and that's what I I, I think I have some of the best stand up in the division and in the fight game. So uh, you're right, man. That does excite me because a lot of the guys in the top ten or a lot of the guys in the top five or or realistically chasing that title, they're all stand up guys. And when I watch 
John, uh, when he was defending the title and he had the title, I I truly think I could beat him standing up and and uh, you know those those takedowns they take they require a lot of energy they use a lot of muscle and I feel like my takedown defense is pretty good if I can keep if you can defend off the first couple and just scramble keep moving keep moving uh, make those guys tired not want to shoot then it becomes a stand up. Uh, contest in which I think I, it favors myself. So I'm very excited about that. I know that, uh, like I said, watching Anthony do it, man, I really think it can be done on my end. Well, and you certainly showed that you're you're able to tire out those wrestlers with the Kutalaba fight. So I, I got to ask you then, you know, going into this UFC 272 fight with with Michael Oshajak, do you expect that he's going to give you that kind of fight, or do you think this is one where he's not going to want to stand with you because he knows about your kickboxing background, he knows what you can do on the feet? Well, you know, it's an interesting matchup because he is uh, a stand-up fighter. I feel like he brings a lot of pressure, a lot of pace, a lot of uh, – he's got good cardio, brings a lot of endurance and a lot of physicality to his fights. And I think he's very good, man, but I do see him – I think he's very good all around MMA. So I do see him testing me uh, with the takedowns a little bit, which I certainly welcome, man. I feel like – you know, I, I need somebody like that to really to get me going. I'll never be the guy to shoot first, especially going in against an, another stand-up fighter. But if he shoots in on me, maybe I can, you know, show off some of my uh, takedown defense and then maybe sneak a takedown in on him and show off some of my groundwork. So I think it's a very exciting matchup. Um, you know, I, I, he's a tough opponent. There's no doubt about, doubt about it. I think him and I are both just knocking on the door right outside the top 15 if i can go in there and put him away on march 5th i think i'd, I'd jump right into the to the mix there in the, at the upper echelon of the division absolutely now i did want to ask you too about the placement of this fight because it's at ufc 272 which means you're getting a live arena again uh which is, oh, is yeah. pretty damn exciting because now you know you, you were signed to the ufc uh, or re-signed i should say to the ufc in October of 2020, which is behind closed doors, and your first few fights back in the UFC wind up behind closed doors. Now here we are, back-to-back fights, New York City, followed up quickly by by UFC 272, which is going to be in a huge arena in, in Vegas. What is it like for you to get a chance to fight in front of two big crowds in a row? Well, Dan, I have a huge smile on my face right now <laughs> hearing you talking about it, just thinking about it. It's it's so awesome, you know, and I got to fight in front of a crowd in Madison Square Garden. For one, it was Madison Square Garden, just the mecca uh, of the fight world and entertainment and sports. Uh, but for two, just the fans, you know, being able to do it in front of the fans, that's what makes it fun. That's what they bring a lot of energy, a lot of passion. And I missed all of that. And it was interesting fighting during the COVID uh, era. Um, you know, I, I feel like a lot of people were tuned in to MMA and, and it generated a lot of new fans. And when I went to New York and they had the ceremonial weigh-ins and I got on the scale, I was like the sixth fighter to step on the scale. And it was the first time the crowd really like got electric and got buzzed and people were cheering for me, which made me feel really good. And it made me also realize that a lot of people were watching me work, you know, during the, when it was at the apex and, and there was no fans. So uh, to, to be able to fight in front of them and to feel their love and feel their appreciation, it, it's it's so awesome, and, and I am so pumped to be back on another pay-per-view card in Vegas, sold out uh, T-Mobile Arena. I can't wait, man. It's, it's action-packed, and of course, you ask any fighter, they're going to tell you we do this for the fans to feel the energy, feel the love, so I'm excited to get back to doing work and doing what I love. 
Well, we are absolutely excited for it as well. Now, before I let you go, I always do like to ask for a prediction. How do you see this one going down? How do you see it ending on March 5th? I think it's going to be a very uh, high-paced fight. I think it's going to be a tough uh, physical fight. I think two guys are going to be going at it, and I see myself getting my hand raised 100%, uh, but I see myself getting a finish too. Uh, you know, I, I oftentimes say by knockout, that's how I picture myself winning any fight, by a KO or TKO. Uh, but I really feel my game is, is well-rounded, and a guy like this is going to bring out the best of me because he brings such a high pace and, and constantly coming forward that I think uh, I'll have one of my best showings yet. Well, we absolutely can't wait to see it. And once again, fans, this was Dustin Jacoby, who fights Michael Olszewiak at UFC 272. That fight is on March 5th. Dustin, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dan. And, and uh, hopefully after the victory, we can we can link up again and, and talk about it. Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Dustin Jacoby. I Once again, I'm Daniel Gumby from Lynn. Joined now by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, before we begin talking about the absolute wreckage that is UFC Vegas 49, a fight card that's mostly fallen apart, I want to talk about the fact that the main event did fall apart and exactly what we lost. So we lose Benil Dariush out of this fight. I wanted to get your take. How do you feel about both him kind of not getting his chance to shine here and also us losing out on getting to see Islam Makashev fight a grappler, fight a guy who is going to test him? Yeah, it's it's really disappointing. Okay, there's no way around it that we're losing a really great fight. Now, that being said, for title-challenging implications, I don't think it's a crisis, and I'll tell you why. If Makachev beats Darush, he was going to get a title shot. Is that your understanding? I think that's sort of the assumed, right? Yeah, as long as, I mean, Gaethje Oliveira is seemingly happening, maybe even official at this point. So, yes, he would get the winner of that. Yes, that was my understanding as well. Now, if Makiachev beats Bobby Green, who, okay, he is taking it on a short notice and not on the win. I mean, Darush is on a very impressive win streak. But Makiachev is still going to get the title shot. It doesn't change much for me. I want to see Makiachev against the tops of the division. So it kind of is what it is. It sets Darush back, which is a shame for him. But I have to be honest with you, Gumby. In this new age of the depth of these UFC divisions, specifically 145 to 170, which I find to always historically be the three most deep divisions, 145, 155, 170, I mean, we've seen guys have to reel off 10-fight win streaks to earn title shots, and that's almost becoming the norm. And no knock on Benil Darush, who right now is on a seven-fight win streak, which is insane, but, you know, I mean, like... You know, Frank Camacho, Drew Dober, I might need to see him beat a couple of top fivers here before that title shot. So, again, absolute shame we're losing the title, that fight in particular, but for title implications, I don't know that this is a tragedy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think Makachev probably, and we'll get into the breakdown in a second, probably slaughters Bobby Green and, and then gets the the shot anyway. And also I'll say this, you know, like lightweight, which has kind of been, I, I don't want to say thin on challengers, but just like weird on challengers. Because, you know, you got 
you know, Conor McGregor was always a challenger despite being on a massive losing streak. And you got, you know, Michael Chandler, who everybody thought was going to pop up in there, who's now lost a couple in a row. And Tony Ferguson disappeared. And like Ferguson. Yeah, they, they, there's a bunch of people who are at the top of the division who aren't contenders. So the the other cool thing about this is it kind of gives Benil Dariush a chance to be one. You know what I mean? Like, it's yes, not, you're it's not, not killing off a challenger. Right. It, it's not killing off a challenger. It's not making, you know a situation where you had two decent guys in line dwindle down to one. Now you're probably still going to have two still decent guys in line. So, Hey, maybe this winds up working out better for Benil Dariush or better than he could have ever imagined. And it's probably not setting his Lombard back at all. Exactly. Well, we've beaten around the bush on it. Let's actually get into it and talk about Islam Makhachev's upcoming destruction over Bobby Green. But, uh, <laughs> before we get into our favorite segment on the show, which is Fights, Dogs, and Parlays for UFC Vegas 49, one has to ask, Gumby, does anyone sponsor this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays for UFC Vegas 49? Absolutely. Fight Stocks and Parlays is brought to you by Double Nickels Sports Betting. You can check out Nichols over on Instagram at 55DoubleNickels55. He's going to send you five picks each and every morning from the world of NBA, NHL, MLB, MMA, and of course, other things as well. He sent me at 6 a.m. in the morning a pick for tennis recently, and that thing was as right as rain. Sure as heck it hit and with plus money. So I'm telling you, if you're looking for those deep dive picks that are going to make you money all the time, check out Double Nickel Sports Betting over on Instagram at 55DoubleNickels55. Mention that the Top Turtle MMA Podcast sent you and you are going to get a 10% discount on prices that are already as low as 4 bucks a day. So once again, make sure to check them out. Double Nickel Sports Betting. Okay, well, I think we've already laid out that uh, <laughs> Makiachev is going to win. He's a 720 favorite, but, you know, let's uh, let's talk about it a bit. Makiachev being coached by Khabib is a wrestling machine. He is on a um, nine-fight win streak and looking like it's going to be 10 and then title shot. He just came off a Kimura victory, a submission victory with a Kimura over Dan Hooker. Rear naked choke Tiago Moises before that. Arm triangle Drew Dober before that. If this hits the ground, Bobby Green is going to get a limb snapped or he's going unconscious. Bobby Green himself uh, is a plus 550 dog. He just fought three weeks ago, which, you know, I kind of like it. I think it's actually shown historically that it doesn't lead to as many losses as you would think. Guys are in fight camp already. They're kind of, you know, mentally in that space, ready to go. But what throws me off about this one is it wasn't, you know, quick work. It wasn't a 15-second KO, and he's back there three weeks later. I mean, he did go to a unanimous decision victory over uh, Nazareth Hapriarist, and he came off a TKO over Ally Aquinta before that. So, again, two-fight win streak, one win three weeks ago. Um, But he went the full 15 minutes, which I think does play into this. Let's hear what Bobby Green's path to victories are, because we already know much of Makiachev's. Yeah, so my my problem with Bobby Green as a contender, and first of all, I don't even think he was the best person to line up here. He's just the one who's got the right amount of hype. Winning on that exact same card as him and in more dominant fashion over a better opponent was Hanato Moicano. How you don't go with somebody like that is strictly because of the hype behind Bobby Green right now. But if you're asking for a path to victory here, look, Bobby Green's going to get taken down. He's going to get taken down a bunch of times. I think the thing he has to do is, first of all, punish Islam Makashev on the way into those takedowns every single time that happens, and he's got to get up quick. Um, 
because he, he's been taken down by guys like Clay Guida before and uh, Lando Venata. And if, like, Clay Guida and Lando Venata are taking you down, then Islam Makashev is certainly going to fucking take you down. So it's going to be about getting up for him. It's going to be about him punishing him on the way in. And it's going to be about him surviving and just, like, having better cardio than Islam Makashev. Because say what you want about Bobby Green. He does have amazing cardio. He's got a great one, too, as we saw against Hakparas. And he's just got to make sure to punish Islam Makashev. Now, with that being said, I think we already laid it out pretty clear. Islam Makashev is not going to get lit up by Bobby Green on the way in. He's going to get in. He's going to get the takedown. And while Bobby Green may have gotten up against Clay Guida, I just don't trust that he's going to be able to get up from underneath Islam Makashev. So, uh, yeah, I'm going with Makashev here. I'm saying he gets a finish. I'm going to say he gets it fairly early, too. First or second round here. Yeah, I'm I'm with you entirely. And I also just wanted to be known out there for, you know, professional MMA analysts. Bobby Green, different person from Kevin Holland. <laughs> okay, Bapa? All right, Bapa. Just want everyone to be on, on the same page with that. Professional analyst, Bobby Green, Kevin Holland, different people. Just so everyone knows. Okay. Uh, let's move on. Misha Serkinov, a uh, friend of the show, is a minus-125 favorite to Wellington Terman, a plus-105 dog. Close odds in this co-main event. Yes, Misha Serkinov. Wellington Terman, co-main event. Misha Serkinov is on a two-fight losing streak. TKO lost to Ryan Spann. Split decision loss to Christoph Joko. You'd have to go back to 2019 for his last win when he got a Peruvian necktie over Jimmy Crute. Lost to TKO over Johnny Walker before that. Uh, that was a different Johnny Walker, mind you. So he is one and three in his last four. But hey, you want me to peel it back all the way to 2017? Misha Serkinov is two and five in his last seven and fighting for his job here. I think it's safe to say he's probably not a future uh title contender and or champion but maybe he could turn things around and wellington terman could be the guy to do it he's coming off a split decision win over sam alvey back in august of 2021 lost to bruno silva and andrew sanchez via ko before that beat marcus perez via decision all the way back in november of 2019 and lost to carl roberson in his ufc debut in 2019 via split decision so all told wellington terman in a co-main event here is two and three in his UFC career. And I can't even remember if I already mentioned it, but if you want the odds on this, I think I did. Circuit off the minus 125, Terman the plus 105. Tight fight, who you got? I think I'm going to go with Misha Serkinov here. Um, I, I don't feel real great about it because, as you said, neither of these guys have been world beaters as of late. But Misha Serkinov, I, I, he didn't win that fight against Jocko, but it was his debut down at middleweight. Uh, so that's a brand new weight cut for him. He seemingly did it all right. And he scored a lot of takedowns in that fight. And he looks like he's going to be the type of person who can take people down fairly regularly in the middleweight division. Cause he is so strong. He is so big for the weight class and, and granted, not maybe not a high percentage of takedowns, but relentless takedown attempts um, against Terman, that might be a path to victory for him. I also think Terman's chin has been touched a whole bunch of times. So I'd say this is probably more of a fade of Wellington Terman than it is a real support of Misha Serkinov. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Misha Serkinov here. I think he probably has more ways to win at the end of the day. Yeah, I, I lean on you with that, too. Uh, the submission 
the submission prowess of Misha Serkinov could end up being the difference here. On a very close fight, I'll go with him as well. Gregory Rodriguez is a minus 180 favorite. Armin Protosian is a plus 145 dog. Uh you know, this this fight, I guess most people would lean towards Rodriguez. Is there a reason to take Petrosian? Let's hear it. So Petrosian is kind of an interesting case, right? He's a kickboxer. In, in, if you, you're familiar with the name, it's probably because his brother is a, a very prevalent kickboxer as well. So Petrosian has a kickboxing advantage probably here. And a lot of people have probably seen Gregory Rodriguez with his his striking getting it done lately um he knocked out jun young park so yeah like you might think to yourself maybe the kickboxer here but the big difference maker is is gregory rodriguez is actually a very very good grappler and i think he's going to have such a distinct advantage there that negative 180 is probably not a steep enough price for a guy who's kicking pretty close to the top 15 um for a lot of people he's he's kicking pretty close to that middleweight top 15 and Petrosian making his UFC debut. So, yeah, I like Gregory Rodriguez here, and, and I really do like the number quite a bit. All right, I like where you're going with that. Um, you know what? Let's get to our dog of the week. It's Terrence McKinney, a plus 105, a slight dog. Let's hear it. Yeah, Terrence McKinney, plus 105. I've seen him as high as, like, plus 115 or 120 this week, but it is – people seem to be betting on him right now, and, and for good reason. He's a guy who is going to go in there and bang with Ferris Zayim who is a good striker and is an elusive striker. One of them seems to have big one-touch knockout power, and that's Terrence McKinney and not Ferris Zayim. So if it stays on the feet, Zayim's path to victory is kind of picking and prodding his way to a decision. And I don't know if anybody's going to do that with lightweight Terrence McKinney, who's just been knocking fools out constantly since then. And even if that happens too, I think Terrence McKinney could change the game plan and go for a wrestling. Like, he grew up a wrestler, and in addition to that was like, taught by Michael Chiesa how to wrestle. So he's got great chops in, in that department and could probably fall back on that if he needs to. But I even don't think he needs to. I, I think he's probably going to win this in the stand-up match. So I'm going with uh, Terrence McKinney as our dog of the week. Our parlay to play is Jin Yu Frey, a minus 180, and Ji Yun Kim, a minus 180. Pair those two minus 180s together. Get your plus 142 odds on a parlay. Break it down. Yeah, so I love Jin Yu Fry's number here against Hannah Goldie. I just don't think Hannah Goldie can really hang with the grappling of Jin Yu Fry. I, I think Jin Yu Fry is going to easily take her down whenever she wants to. But also, I think she's got an advantage in the clinch here. So negative 180 is probably not steep enough, which is why I like her in a parlay here. Gigi on Kim, she is very fast with her hands. She's fighting Priscilla Cachoeira, who's got good knockout power. But, I mean, how often are we going to bank on a knockout at, at uh, women's flyweight? So I, I like Gigi on Kim just having the more volume and winning this fight. As long as it stays off the mat, I think she should probably be fine there too. So we're going to pair those together. Get plus 142 on the return. Boom. That's been another edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays in the book Books. Let us know how we did. Did you like our picks? Did you hate our picks? Did we do you right? Did we do you dirty? You can reach us at Top Turtle MMA on Twitter and Instagram. Gumby, this train is a rumbling down the tracks. Where should we stop next? Well, we're going to transition now to my interview with the aforementioned Terrence McKinney, who is fighting Farah Zaim on this weekend's UFC Vegas 49. But before we do that, I do have to let you know that this interview is brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. Whether you do kickboxing, judo, sambo, jujitsu, or any other martial art, you can use Maroon Social to log your training sessions, tag your training partners, log competitions, weigh-ins, and oh so much more. 
ditch that dirty jujitsu journal and get yourself Maroon Social wherever it is you download apps. Maroon Social brings you this interview with Terrence McKinney. All right, and joining me now is Terrence McKinney, who fights Farah Zaim at UFC Vegas 49. That fight is on February 26th. So, you know, Terrence, I want to start by talking about your last victory. Because obviously you storm into UFC with a seven-second knockout. And now you've been out of the game for eight months. So so tell me a little bit about that eight months. What has it been like for you to been on the shelf for that long and not been able to build off of that big KO? Um, I think it was right what I needed. It helped me stay grounded uh, and just enjoy the moment. Just just seize it all. Just know that, like, not only did I make the fastest debut ever, but, like, just the accolades that God blessed me with, man. It's, I just got to really sit and appreciate it. And just it just gave me more time to actually just strive and make sure I come with an even greater statement come February 26th. Well, I like that mindset quite a bit. Now, I also want to ask, too, because this is a, a unique situation you're in here with Faris Zayane, because this is the second time you've had a training camp for him, right? Like we, we've fully prepared for him. We've gotten ready for him. You had a, an issue with a corner man testing positive for COVID and you wind up having that fight canceled. What what is it like going through two full training camps for this dude? Um, it, it's it's fun, you know. It's just the build up. It's getting excited. Just being on this awesome card, even though Benil fell out, I was looking forward to that. But I think for a ten day notice, Bobby Game was a great snag, and I'm excited for that one for sure. Yeah, and it's kind of cool having a, a fight that's right there in, in a weight like yours. And and now I, I did want to talk about the fight a little bit with Ferris here because, you know, he, he's a guy who's kind of known for his striking. And, and obviously you you made a name for yourself pretty quick in the, the striking game as well. But you, you come from a wrestling base. You are a wrestler by trade originally. Do you feel the need to show off your striking here against him? Or or do you think that this is one of those ones where you're going to show off your, your more complete game? Um, fans should expect me to go out there and look for the KO. But at the same time, I'm a mixed martial artist. Whatever is given to me, I will take. And we're going to mix it all up. Make sure we get them guessing, you know. Well, I like that a lot, too. Now, I noticed, too, in, in the time leading up to this fight, too, that you you got your purple belt in jiu-jitsu. First of all, congratulations. Um, Thank you, brother. And second of all, like, you know, is, is there a lot of gi training going on where, where you're doing? Do you spend a lot of time in the gi or is this more, uh, you know, I know obviously some some gyms gave away ranks for no gi, but how, how much time are you spending in the gi preparing for jiu-jitsu? Uh, not too much in the gi right now, cause as you know, like I'm getting ready to go fight in MMA. You know, there's no um collar ties, no nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no gi right now, it's strictly for me. For sure, it makes a lot of sense. Now, you know, I-, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about your grappling game too, because you know, you're you've made waves on social media after the seven second knockout, you know, your popularity soared and, and you seem to capitalize that by being on social media, interacting with fans and all that stuff. And most recently, you, you've gotten a lot of publicity off of saying that you would like to wrestle Kamzat Chemaev. Now, I, I'm just curious, were you, it, would you like that to be a pure like freestyle wrestling match if, if you could make that happen? And, and if so, why the style that of that? Yeah, it's pure freestyle match. Um, 
because uh, I miss wrestling and I know this guy um, got a couple medals. So like, and I always wanted to wrestle a guy of that caliber. So I think it would just be a great experience. And, and it gets to show the world uh, my wrestling side. And I think it'd be fun for the fans and get a lot of traction. Well, we, we'd certainly love to see it as well. Now, I'm curious, too, as a guy with, a you know, obviously a technical wrestling background that has made it work in MMA and, and is obviously trained to, to integrate it into MMA. I'm curious what you think of his wrestling, too, because, you know, he he's only been in the UFC for a short while. He's wrestled a couple of guys who maybe don't have the greatest takedown defense. But what is your personal opinion of his, his wrestling game? Um, I think he has a, a lot of good upper body locks. Uh, I think he's very solid all around with the wrestling, you know, very seasoned. So, so out of curiosity, you know, being that you want to have a match with him, you obviously feel that your, your wrestling skills match up quite well with his, where do you feel like they match up with the rest of the people in, in your division as well? Um, I think I fare very well in my division with the, with the best wrestlers such as Armin and Islam and Benil. I think my wrestling pedigree matches up very well if we ever have to fight. And is, out of curiosity, too, is, is that something you know that, that you keep an eye on in your division? Because the lightweight has tons of wrestlers in it, right? Like it's, it's got Gregor Gillespie and it's got, you know, you mentioned the name Benil Dariush and Armand Securian and... You know, Matrus Gamra is in your division. Is is this something that you think about often? Being that you know you have a wrestling base, but tend to strike more. Yeah, and it's just something I know I have to keep in sharp because, as you guys see, uh, a lot of those wrestlers are on the rise right now in my division. So, is one thing I'm looking to compete in and stay active in. So, because I know the hands are ready for anyone in the world, we got to make sure that wrestling is just as sharp as well. Well, I love that insight. Now, before I let any of my fighters go, I always like to get a prediction out of them. You know, you, you said we're going to mix it all up. We're going to see a little bit of every piece of Terrence McKinney. Give us a prediction. How do you see this one ending with Faris Zayn? Um, First round KO, uh, mark my words. All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. This has been Terrence McKinney, who fights Faris Zayn at UFC Vegas 49. That fight is on February 26th. Terrence, thanks so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Hey, no problem, man. Like I said, it's always a pleasure talking to you. And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We could not do what we do without you guys. We also want to thank our sponsors, Maroon Social, Better Than Vegas, and, of course, Double Nickels Sports Betting. Make sure to follow them at 55DoubleNickels55 on Twitter. And, of course, speaking of Twitter and Instagram, you can follow us at Top Journal MMA in both of those locations. It's the easiest way to catch extra content from us and know when an episode drops. So make sure you're following in those areas. And until next week, I'm Daniel Gibby-Freeland. He is Shockwave Dave Tremonte, and we'll catch you then.